Greetings of love this afternoon in the name of Jesus. Another hour, another time to gather. You've sat here for lots of hours and been a good audience. And I don't know about you, but I get kind of stiff. I've had to jog and take some walks and I could stand to have some more even of that. Maybe we can get some of that this afternoon. A little fresh air and some exercise. But if we can sit together for another hour or so and gain yet some insight that the Lord would have from us, that is my prayer. Code blue. Respiratory arrest. She stopped breathing. Just a few weeks ago in our local town, in a little hospital room, a mother that lived in our home for a couple of years was there in the hospital with her little tiny baby girl. And she'd been having some respiratory problems and they thought she should be admitted. And father and mother were both there and They were beginning to be more and more concerned about this little baby. All of a sudden she stopped breathing and went into respiratory arrest and they called it code blue. And as the father told me about it, he said it was amazing. He said, I just kind of stood back. He said there were were nurses and medical assistants and respiratory therapists and doctors And the pediatrician that was in charge, before long the flight team that flew in to lifeline this baby to Seattle, they came in, he said there must have been a dozen different people, all different medical personnel from different uh, settings, all in this hospital room. And he said it was astonishing how they worked together absolutely smoothly. Those who at one point were in charge were glad to back up and become servants. Can I get you this? Can I get you that? And he said it just worked together so smoothly. Before long, this little baby girl was stabilized and on an airplane, on a little jet with her mother, on the way to Seattle Children's Hospital. And as far as I know, she's doing wonderful today. As the brother shared that, even as he was sharing it, my mind went to a picture of God's intent for Christian community. People were united in one purpose. They had different skills, different levels of training, uh, different responsibilities. They even came from different settings and they all met in one hospital room. But you know what? They united in purpose to save a life. To save a little soul. And as they united in that purpose to save the life of this little girl, they worked together very smoothly. They had a higher purpose. It was an emergency. There was no time to sit around and discuss, okay, now exactly, uh, where, where do you fit? Where? No. Seconds were ticking. They united. They worked together to save a soul. So this afternoon, 
in light of the message we heard this morning about the goodness of God, I would like to talk to you about an aspect of God's goodness toward you and toward me. So the title of the message is that Christ's care for you calls for Christian community. Christ's care for you and His commitment to your blessing calls for Christian community. I thought of different titles. It's kind of interesting to try and think of a title. I thought about finding fulfillment among fellow soldiers of Jesus Christ. And that has some points. I thought of other things. But I settled on this title and I think you'll see that God's heart for you, His love for His people, called Him to place them in Christian community. So we've shared about modesty, authority, loyalty. Now my instruction today is to talk to you about community. I have a hymn in mind, one verse. I'm going to line it for you. We won't start singing it right away. I think most of you will be familiar with it. It's a beautiful verse. I love this verse. We sing it often. It goes like this. Oh, for a heart to love my God. A heart from sin set free. A heart that always feels the blood so freely shed for me. Those kind of hearts united together form beautiful Christian community. I would like to ask us now as we begin the afternoon service, this time let's just get on our knees for a time of prayer. As we have prayer at the conclusion of the prayer, before you get off your knees, let's sing that verse softly together. Let's pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, this afternoon we come again in the name of Jesus. We come in the name of the One, Father, who has bought us with His own blood, who paid the ultimate price for us. The One, Father, our Savior, our Lord, our Captain. Father, the One who's calling out a bride for Himself. The One, Father, who I know our Lord Jesus is anticipating someday presenting it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Oh, Father, what a privilege, what a blessing this afternoon to be a part of that number. And oh, what an opportunity to call others to come, come, come and be a child of God. Come and find salvation and be a part of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, be with us this afternoon. 
Lord, I feel about as weak and unprepared as I have for any message yet. I pray, Lord, that You would grant mercy and provide something that would be of edification for each of us this afternoon. Lord, make up where I lack. Balance where I'm out of balance. Forgive where I fail. I pray for a pure heart. I pray that You would open the hearts of each of these young men and young women. Father, I pray if there's anyone that's been hurt by Christian community, that You would come and heal that right now, Lord. And You would help us to see that it's Your goodness toward us. It's Your love for us. Father, it's, it's Your love for Your children, for Your little orphan children like each one of us are that, as the psalm says, places the solitary in families. Thank You for the family of God, O oh Lord. Thank You that we're not an island. Thank You that we're all here together even this afternoon. Be with us, Father. Guide our thoughts. May Your Holy Spirit be preeminent. Drive back the drowsiness, Father, of the schedule this afternoon. I commit this time to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's sing softly. Oh, for a heart to love my God, a heart from sin set free, a heart that always feels the blood so freely God bless you. You can take your seats again. if I could send you to a place where you knew you would get love, support, training, encouragement, help, counsel, acceptance, involvement, Enjoyment, fulfillment, personal development, character refinement that is tempered and tailored exactly for your needs. I want to ask that question again. What if I had the ability to send you to a place where you knew that you would get love, support, training, encouragement, help, counsel, acceptance, 
involvement, enjoyment, fulfillment, personal development, and character refinement that was tempered and tailored exactly for your needs. Would you want to go there? Raise your hand if you'd want to go there to a place like that. Do you know that that is exactly the heart of the Lord for you? That is what God had in mind and dare I say that is what God has in mind for you and He has designed it for you. It's a place called Ecclesia. A called out assembly. A special assembly. A united army. The Bible calls it the church. You remember, and it's been mentioned already this week in I believe it's in the 16th chapter of St. John. Maybe not the 16th. Maybe it is. I'm not going to turn there right now. But you're familiar with the quote where Jesus told Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, as they had been discussing who He really was. Jesus told Peter, You are Peter. And upon this rock, referring to Himself, the rock, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ made it clear that I'm planning to build something. It's going to be mine. I will build my church. Well, you remember how it was. We're just going to have to highlight a few thoughts this afternoon and trust that the the Holy Spirit can, can bring some thoughts of encouragement. That is my heart this afternoon for you. You remember how Jesus, shortly before He went back to glory, there to prepare a place for us. He is coming again, by the way. I don't know how far along those mansions are, but I'm planning to... I'm planning to occupy one by the grace of God and I I sure hope you're down the road too. I hope we're all there together. I believe we will be and can be by the grace of God. So before He went to prepare a place for us, he, He told His disciples that He had been walking with and that were there. He said, I'm going back and and so forth. But he said, I want you to do this. You tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, I want you to wait. Something's going to happen. You're going to get some power. Don't launch out on your own until you get power. Christ, remember, said, I will build my church. He didn't want the, the apostles to roll up their sleeves and try and figure it out on their own. He said, you wait, men. You wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It wasn't just men, by the way. The Bible says in the first chapter of Acts that there was an upper room. And there was about 120 names there. And it included uh, the apostles uh, as well as women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and others. It speaks about them. 
we know that it's, it's a thrilling passage of Scripture to me. The second chapter of Acts begins this. I want you to think about this. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, 120 men and women together upstairs in a room, just like we are right now. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And and you know how it went there in that second chapter of Acts, what we sometimes call the birthday of the church. Suddenly these men began to... They were filled with the Holy Ghost and cloven tongues like as a fire lit upon their heads. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And, And this thing began to attract quite a crowd as men do when they begin to speak unto the Spirit of God. And a crowd came and, and, and people started saying, what's going on here? These men are full of new wine and so forth. And you know how Peter, Peter began to preach and he said, no, men and brethren, these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh and your young men shall prophesy. And upon my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my Spirit. Your old men shall see visions and your young men shall dream dreams and so forth. I can't quote it all and I didn't quote it exactly correctly. But you're familiar with the passage there. And so the church began. By the time that passage ends there in the second chapter of Acts, we read this. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. People heard that preaching. Men and women began to repent. That day, there were those who believed, they repented, they were baptized, they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they were added to the church. Added to the church. They were counted. They were added to the church. These folks had prothesis. They had purpose. They weren't ashamed to be counted. They were added to the church. The Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And and it went from there. They had prothesis. They had purpose. They had a setting forth of who they were and what their intent was. You read phrases like this in the book of Acts. The number of names together. You read things like, and their number... You read things like those of that way. You read things like these that have turned the world upside down. Then at Antioch, I think Brother Kurt mentioned the other day, that they began to be called Christians. Christians, those of that way, those that were of that number. These were folks with prothesis. These were folks who set forth their intention to follow Jesus Christ and to be a part of His kingdom. The Bible called them and calls them the church. In Ephesians, the Bible tells us this. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope 
of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Let's make sure it's absolutely clear in our hearts this afternoon. I will stand on the Word of God that the Lord Jesus Christ has only one bride. There is only one bride. He doesn't have lots of brides. He has one bride. Furthermore, the Bible says in the book of Timothy, the Apostle Paul to his spiritual son said this, The foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ won't miss one that's His. All around this globe, all around the earth, the Lord knows them that are His. The Lord knows them that are His. He knows. He knows those that are His. Those that are truly His, He knows. And He'll never miss even one of them. It's also encouraging to remember in the 10th chapter of John speaks of this. They didn't intend to go here, but by the way, you're not just a number. The Bible says that Jesus calls His sheep by name and leads them out. He doesn't call them by number. He calls His sheep by name. He knows. He knows your names. He knows Ryan and Jordan and Doug and Jordan and Laura and on down the line. He knows each one of you. Amen. I'm thankful for that too, brother. He knows our name. He knows them that are His. But friend, brothers and sisters, this afternoon, Christ has one bride. There is one body. And God sees that body. But I want to tell you by the Word of God that He expects His children to operate in the context of local churches. So we have the words of Jesus Himself speaking from glory back to John on the Isle of Patmos in the Revelation and He said, Write the things which you have seen and send them to the churches of Asia. That's our Lord Jesus Himself speaking from heaven back to John. He said, I'm going to tell you some things, John, and I want you to send them to the churches of Asia. The Apostle Paul, just one example. He says something about his labor in the ministry, and he says, besides that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Jesus spoke plural. Paul spoke plural. You can find other examples in the Bible where the Bible speaks about churches. 
So the Lord has one body, one bride, but He clearly expects His people to operate together in local families of believers, local churches. And so we have in the Scripture the church of God at Corinth, the church of God at Colossae, the church of God at Philippi, the church of God at Smyrna, the church of God at Ephesus, the church at Cyprus, the church at Antioch, the church at Rome. Sometimes it's called the church of Jesus Christ. The church. All these local churches. And our Lord Jesus Himself recognized them that way. Well, I want to think quickly about some characteristics of a biblical church. I thank you for your prayers and I'm just trusting the Lord. I didn't exactly know where to go in this message. But I just want to give you quickly some characteristics I'm not going to say it's all of them by any means, but it's some that came to my heart that I think in 2010 can help give us just a little bit of discernment. When, when uh, Christ was speaking about the churches, when the Apostle Paul spoke about his care for the churches, when Acts speaks about the various churches that were established, what are some of the things we can glean from the Scripture about the church? This thing that is a result of God's goodness and His Christ's care for you, which calls for Christian community. Because He doesn't want you to be lonely. And He doesn't want you to be an island. And He doesn't want you to be left out. And He doesn't want you just to be an isolated number. No, He wants to call you by name and make you part of a family. Part of a family. That's a blessing. And He recognizes, as do you, There's a big family. But I'm sure thankful the Lord didn't just say, Joe, I'm going to allow you to be born into the family of humanity. No, He cared enough. I know for some of you this may be painful. But He placed you in a family. He placed you in a family. And if your family, all the experiences of your family haven't been all pleasant, Just know that it's still His heart to put you in a family of believers that love and care. Well, just a few thoughts. A church. What does Christ desire for that? Well, I think that a church is a called out group of individuals who have believed and answered the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're people who have repented of their sins and been washed in the blood of Jesus. They have confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus and have believed in their heart, have been baptized and been given the Holy Spirit. These are people who make up the church. All ages? Yes. All stages of maturity? Yes. All manner of personalities? Yes. All sorts of different backgrounds? Yes. But all who are of an accountable age before the Lord must be born again into this family by a clear conversion that we heard about last night to be a part of this church. Another point. A church 
comes together. You'll find that again and again in the Scripture. One example is in 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul says, when you come together in the church, in this case it wasn't so pleasant, he said, I've heard that there's some divisions, excuse me, some divisions among you, and I partly believe it. When you come together, he uses that phrase several times in 1 Corinthians 11 and other places in the book of Corinthians as he talks to that church back at Corinth that he had spent some months among and it started out with just such a tiny little group of people. Just a few people in in the house of, of a man named Justice whose house joined hard to the synagogue right next to the synagogue there in Corinth. There was a house of a man and a few people started meeting together that believed the gospel and guess what? That was the beginning of the church at Corinth. And before long, the Apostle Paul, that church began to grow and others came and and they began to meet there in that house of justice. And, And Paul had some opposition, but God spoke to him in the night in a dream and he said, Paul, don't be afraid. Speak and don't hold your peace because I've got lots of people in this city. Isn't that amazing? Let's remember that this afternoon. Christ spoke to Paul before a lot of people were even converted. And he said, don't hold your peace. I've got lots of people in this city. Is it possible that God has some people in Corinth, in Spokane, that haven't yet heard the gospel? And he sees that ahead of time. Speak and hold not your peace. I've got people in this city. That's an interesting thought. So a biblical church comes together. They assemble. They get together for edification and encouragement and and sharing and all kinds of reasons. Another point. A church has feasts of charity and communes together. You'll find that in the Word of God. The Bible speaks of your feasts of charity. The Scripture speaks of coming together to, to break bread. Scripture speaks of coming together for the Lord's Supper. Coming together. A church comes together for feasts of charity and communion. A church has loving restoration. You think about it. I think the reason I'm mentioning some of these things is there's, in the last few years, I've seen a lot of different Ideas float around out there of of what church might look like, what church might be. And some of them get pretty vague. And and I realize there is some parameter. And I've had the privilege in in my short life of observing some church settings that I believe are true churches before the Lord in other countries and cultures. But there's still some things that you see in the Scripture. And those that begin to study they begin to find these things. And when they're sincere, they begin to implement them. But a biblical church has loving restoration. What do we read in the the 18th chapter of Matthew? Thy brother trespass against thee, go. Tell him his fault between thee and him, him alone. If he or she shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he won't hear thee, then take one or two more. But in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. This happens, by the way. This really does happen, beloved. Hasn't been that long ago that I I received a call to go as one or two more. And it was a blessed experience of restoration. 
and healing in a completely different area. But what's the Bible say? If you neglect to hear them, tell it unto who? The church. Well, who's that? If it's just some vague thing out here, who, who am I going to tell it to? Maybe go get two or three together and tell it unto them? No, I think if we're honest with the Scripture, we see that there were local families of believers. There, they knew who they were. There was a number. And, and the Word of God, Jesus. this is Jesus speaking. He said, if, if the, you neglect to hear them, if there's a difference, if there's a problem here, then you need to tell it unto the church. And if they neglect to hear the church, how's that going to happen? Apparently, the, this group of believers is going to come together and they're going to speak to this person. That person then has the option, or these people who are indifferent, to either hear or not hear this church. Must be something, someone recognizable. Well, First Thessalonians 5 tells me that, that a church will warn them that are unruly. A church will comfort the feeble-minded. A church will support the weak. A church will be patient toward all men. You read that in the last chapter of 1 Thessalonians. A model church, by the way. The church at Thessalonica. Very worth your study if you want to see a model church. Another thing I see in a church is a church has bishops and deacons. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He said to the church of God which is at Philippi with the bishops. And deacons. Read in the books of Timothy, Titus, read in the Acts. They ordained elders or bishops. There was the calling of deacons. That's God's heart. This is God's goodness. It's Christ's care for you. He calls you into Christian community for our blessing. A church makes discernment. Look in the 6th chapter of 1 Corinthians sometime. Paul realized that within the church there was something that Leslie talked to us about in the last session. There were those going to law. And he, he said, Is there not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? He said, If, if there's a difference like this, set them to judge that are least esteemed in the church. He said, you ought to be able to work this out. Why are you going to courts of law? You have a family of believers that love each other. They have the Holy Spirit of God. They have the Word of God. Let them work it out. Don't go to the judges of the land. That's another kingdom. That's not our kingdom. Praise God. I'm so thankful for that. And there's times. And I think if we could come to see this more as a blessing and a benefit. I've experienced it. I've been in settings in the church where a brother will just say, I have this dilemma. Kind of a, a situation I'm working through. I'm not sure what to do. Could you brothers give me some advice? Discernment. The blessing. Christ's care for you. Calls you into Christian community. The blessing. Bible also tells me that a church has teaching, preaching. Preach the Word, Paul told Timothy. 
who was ordained the first bishop of the church at Ephesus. For a while, he was there at Ephesus. He was called to ordain elders there as well. Preach the Word. There's preaching. There's teaching. Preaching of men. By the way, there's respectful silence of women. First Corinthians makes it clear, let your women keep silence in the church. For I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. I don't know how you would write it more clearly than that. Does that mean there's never a place for women to speak? Absolutely not. Your very veils on your head, sisters, every single one of you. The Bible says, when praying and prophesying with your head covered, praise God, you have a place to prophesy, to speak the Word, to share the Word. But I think Paul was talking about in the context of the assembly, men should do the teaching. Doesn't mean you're never to speak. Philip had four daughters. What did they do? They did prophesy. They spoke about the Word. There was a time for them to speak. Praise God. A church, I will add this, you look at it in Scripture. I don't want to major in minors, but I do want to notice what the Bible says. A church is so loving, the Word of God tells me five different times, they are so loving that God actually gave them a special Christian greeting. It's called the Holy Kiss. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a kiss of charity. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Greet ye one another with a kiss. Greet each other with a kiss. How many more times do you think the Bible would need to say it for us to decide that that was God's will? I know, we already know, that's His will. Praise God, we still do that. We greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. All of them, by the way. All of those that are willing. With a special Christian greeting. You know, it's interesting to me that there's a number of clubs and secret societies that have secret special greetings. But our Lord... Christ's care for you calls us in the Christian community. He gave us an amazing greeting. It's recognized the world around. A kiss is something sanctified. That is something intimate. That is something special. I think it's just awesome that God chose that for our greeting. A church, a biblical church, is linked to other churches. I want to point that out. And I'll acknowledge, as I understand the Word of God, I see a primary working together of local churches, local bodies of believers. But I also see a linking to other churches. And I'll give you some scriptural examples of that without turning to them. You look, make a study of this yourself. <clears throat> The Apostle Paul, several times when he traveled to other churches, he, he would take up a collection, for example, for the poor saints at Jerusalem. Those churches cared. 
You can read things like in the third chapter of John. He said, Beloved, uh, do faithfully what you do to the brethren and to strangers. And as they come and visit among you, you read about it. He says, you need to receive them. There's traveling back and forth. Here's one that's really interesting. I believe it's in the book of Corinthians. I didn't look this up. You look it up. But I think I can quote it. He speaks of your love, one for another. He's addressing one of the churches. I think it was the church at Corinth. And he said, brethren, uh, you're loving each other. And he said, and and indeed you do it toward all the churches of Macedonia. Kind of a regional area. Macedonia was a region. Northern part of Greece, I believe. Or was it the southern? Someone help me. Anyhow, a region of Greece, Macedonia. He said, you, you have this kind of fellowship and, and with the churches of Macedonia. But he said, brethren, I beseech you that you increase more and more. Spread out just beyond the churches of Macedonia. Have some fellowship beyond that. And reach out to others. So, churches are linked to one another. Linked to other churches. And... You know, I just want to make this comment, and I may make it again in a couple of minutes, that the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians does say this. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. They're not all exactly alike. Brother Leslie spoke of that this morning. Brother Kurt spoke of it yesterday. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God that worketh in all. I think it's important that we have God's view of the church as much as possible and recognize there's one bride, there's one body, there's not ten, there's not fifteen, there's not there's one. But there are differences of administrations. And there are some diversities of operations. They're not all exactly alike. But let's watch our elbows that we have a love and a cooperation and a respect one for another. Let's also be loyal to the Scripture and make sure we don't call something a church that would not at all remotely fit the pattern of the Bible. That's not our business. God's the one that set the pattern. Another thought I'd like to mention, I realize our time's getting away quickly. Oh, that's right, we're on a different time schedule. I'm, I'm a little more oriented now. I think a a biblical church sends out laborers. One place uh, Paul speaks about the brethren, he said, whoever you approve by your letters, I want you to send them out to take a a gift to the poor saints at Jerusalem. The church was to, to decide on some men and approve them and, and send them with some financial contribution. We have the example at Antioch. I believe this was mentioned already this week. Where as the church met together and fasted and prayed, the Holy Ghost said unto them, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have sent them. Other places you can read about those that were sent on their way by the church. I think there's some sending of laborers. Well, there's a lot more things. 
Those are just a few I jotted down. This, uh, these thoughts literally have just came in the last little while. We've kind of wrestled with what would be appropriate to share. So I don't cl- claim that this is complete, but I just want to sow some seeds of thought in your mind. We'll see how the time goes. Well, I'd like to read together the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to ask you to take part in this reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a chapter that speaks about the body. We're thinking about Christ's care for you. Because of the goodness of God, Christ's care for you calls for Christian community. He places you, He adds you to the church. He doesn't send you out there as an island. And I know I'm not being extreme. I know that there are times where people are called or sent out. They may be alone, although it's rather interesting. I think there's a Bible pattern that, if possible, they'd at least go by twos. Study that out for yourself. I'd like to hear your input. But I don't see very often where the Lord always sent a person out alone. I do see Philip going, talking to the eunuch. I think he was by himself. He was caught away by the Spirit to Azotus and so forth. But generally speaking, it seems like even when there's a sending out, it's, it's not just totally alone. I think there's a lot of blessing in that. And at least one of you, brethren, commented yesterday that I sure hope when we get to Spokane, we're not planning on being sent out alone. Well, Christ's care for you, brother, calls for Christian community. I think you'll be working together. <clears throat> Let's read 1 Corinthians 12. I haven't even turned there yet. Let's read this around one verse at a time until we run out. Now, I'd like to ask that you read biblically, please. And that means that you read clearly and give the sense. Read with the same expression and passion that some of our brethren have been, have been doing. So read, emphasize as you read, lift up your voice. Isaiah 58 says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. And so let's do that as we read uh, this afternoon. The praises of the Lord, Kurt said, should be loud. The Bible says that. And so let's, let's read loud enough that you can be heard by everyone in this room and with expression. Uh, Let's just go clear down the rows of men and women. And Courtney, I'd like to start with you. Read verse 1 and Kelsey and Abigail and on down to Sarah and, and just and then on down to Jordan, right around to Isaac and around that way. Let's read this chapter. Pay attention as you read it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. He knows that you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus the curtain, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences in administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another 
gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the learning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these work at that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were an ear, where were the smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And if they were all one member, were they the body? Where were the body? But now have they many members who have put one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we claim to be less honorable, are formed these who go more abundantly. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has put the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part of that. There should be no spirit in the body, but that the members should have the same hair one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, health, government, diversity of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet or earnestly the best gift, yet assuring you a more excellent life. Thank you. You know, I didn't even realize before I started this chapter that there were 31 verses. But that worked out perfect. Uh, worked out just right. Well, it would be very interesting to discuss this chapter. And, and uh, we've been preaching through 1 Corinthians at home, maybe about 14 or so sermons so far. And uh, I'm still on 1 Corinthians 11. But I'm about ready to launch into this chapter with a little more study. But I just think it's interesting to note this chapter says there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations. But I just want to point out to you that you are important. That that Christ cares about you. That you're not a number. You are a name. He calls his sheep by name. And, And just because... You may think you're a foot or an eye or a hand or you don't know what part you are. Maybe you think you're one of those uncomely parts. 
But God says, I have tempered them altogether. Remember that thing I said right at the start? I didn't use that word for not. The Bible uses that word. Tempered exactly to your needs. Tempered them altogether, the Lord said. And I've brought them together so that there should be no lack in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. That is Christ's care for you as a good shepherd working through Jordan to be a blessing to Doug and through Doug to be a blessing to Jordan and through Jordan to be a blessing to Ryan and through Ryan to be a blessing to Isaac and to Dustin and to JT and to Trent and on down. Christ care for you wants you, through you, has the same care one for another. And we should cultivate that care. And I think we are cultivating that kind of a care. If only you could get a glimpse of what a beautiful thing the Lord had in mind in Christian community, the ecclesia, the Bible calls it the church. So I just want to share... I'd I'd like to speak more out of this chapter. I just think the reading of it will have to suffice for now. As I look at the time, I I trust that 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 can be an edification. I have a few points that I've jotted down kind of in closing. Maybe about a half a dozen points. And usually out of those, there's some kind of subheadings. But here's the way I wrote them down. Point number one, find yourself in the blessing and commitment of a local body of believers. Remember, soldiers need an army. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And on down, it says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're not Jesus' solo soldier. There may be times you'll have to fight a battle without a a fellow soldier right beside you, but Christ will be there. And by the way, there might be fellow soldiers praying for you at that moment, even if you aren't alone. But soldiers need an army. Excuse me. Athletes need a team. What's that chapter say? We've thought a lot about soldiers this week. But it goes on to say, No man that warreth and doeth uh, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. I think that has to do with an athletic contest. Uh, Striving for mastery. It's an athlete. 1 Corinthians 9 speaks of this athletic contest. I therefore so run, Paul says, not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one that beateth the air. He's talking about a boxing contest there, shadow boxing. I'm not just beating the air. But he's an athlete and he needs a team. There's other scriptures that refer to that. They're not coming to me real readily right now. But soldiers need an army. Athletes need a team. May I say that singers need a choir. (laughs) It's a blessing to sing solo sometimes. I like to sing loud all by myself in the shower sometimes or when I'm out working or it doesn't bother me at all to sing in front of others if I'm working and others are around. In fact, that's a good tool for witnessing. A good way to clear your mind. But I sure like to come together and sing in harmony with others. It's just richer. It's fuller. 
I like to hear all the parts. It's beautiful and I'm looking forward to that more this afternoon. So this is not a threat, it's a blessing. Find yourself in the blessing and commitment of a local body of believers. This is not a threat, it is a blessing. God sets the solitary in families. That's because He's a loving and a caring God. And By the way, loving Christian community equals loud, effective evangelism. You look that up in the 17th chapter of St. John. Loving Christian community equals loud, effective evangelism. That they may all be one, Jesus said. Why? That the world may know that Thou hast sent Me and hast loved them as Thou hast loved Me. Do you know that it's possible that the loudest evangelism this afternoon will be your love and respect toward one another? Amen. Loving Christian community equals loud, effective evangelism. There's a time to speak. Make sure you know that I believe that also. Point number two, be a builder. Be a builder. You know, I just have one scripture on this and it's directed specifically to ladies and it's in the context of the family, but I'm going to to borrow the spirit and the principle of this scripture. It's found in the book of Proverbs and, and I don't have the address right now, but I just want to give it to you. It says something like this, Every wise woman builds her own house. But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Now, I believe that scripture was given in the context of a, of a mother or a wife. A wise woman builds her own house. A foolish woman plucks it down with her hands. But I would like, if it's not doing violence to the scripture, and if it is, please correct me, to borrow that principle and say, both sisters and brothers... Isn't it a wise woman and a wise man that would build their own house? Their own family that God has placed them in to try to be a builder there, an encourager there, not to be tearing things down with gossip or with criticism or with this dark undercurrent. Be a builder. Be a builder. you look at your involvement in your local family of believers in light of that scripture I ask you this are you a builder or a plucker a builder or a plucker a wise woman builds her house a foolish plucks it down piece by piece with her hands this is for you too man are you a builder or a plucker If I were to interview, honestly, in secret, and I wouldn't do this, your involvement in your local family of believers, ask your brothers and sisters, wouldn't be a bad thing to do this in families either. If they would honestly speak about you, would they say, oh, no question, he's a builder. No question, she is a builder. She's an encourager. Point number three. Invite others. Again, the powerful evangelism of love and unity. Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. You have love one to another. 
Love and unity. Invite others. It's not to be an exclusive country club. The church. No. It's to be a place, yes, where the blood-bought saints assemble together, but it's also a place from which they reach out and invite others. Number four, be committed. Be committed. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in worshiping with voluntary, committed servants of Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of a community whose passion voluntarily, cheerfully, on purpose, with prothesis, is to love Jesus and obey the Bible. That's the kind of community I want to be a part of. That is the kind of community I am a part of. I praise God and I thank Him for that. And I want to be a builder of that. And I want to encourage that. And I want to support that. And I hope you can too. Be committed. Powerful. Effectual. Accountability and support. It's a great blessing. Be committed. Number five. Plan to do some submitting. Plan to do some submitting. I just want to say, and I, I'll tell you, you don't know how much I'm preaching these words to myself. But I, I wrote this to myself, Joe. You need others. You need balance. You need accountability. You need the insight of other brothers and sisters. You need to have the opportunity to submit. I need that. I see that in the Word of God. Plan to do some submitting. Cultivate in your life the willingness to accept reproof as a blessing. I just want to say, there is a danger that I have seen. And it often comes out of hurt. I see it in families. I see it in the whole authority picture in general. I definitely see it in churches. We can, because of hurt, we can cultivate and carry around this, what I call an emotional incentive toward whatever differs. I'm going to say that again. We can develop this mindset, maybe even subconsciously, to where we have an emotional incentive toward whatever differs. Now, I think we need to challenge one another by the Word of God. We need to call each other to a high standard, but make sure we don't just have this emotional incentive that is not Spirit-led and Bible-based toward whatever happens to differ. Plan to do some submitting. The last point I have down here is pray for and with your church and your leaders. Pray. Pray. Christ's care for you calls for Christian community. He places the solitary, not out by themselves, but in families. Families of believers. And be a praying part of that family. I think powerful churches are praying churches. Brother Leslie said this 
There's a fear he felt that, that this wouldn't be the finest hour in 2010 for the churches of Jesus Christ, perhaps in America. And I can share that concern, but then he smiled and it's like a light came on in his face and he said, but it can be, maybe it will be. And you know how it can be? It's if you pray. If you pray, I see things that look impossible to me. I see things that if I dwell on them, I could get down. They look, they look insurmountable. Are they too big for God? Of course not. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray by ourselves. Let's be a praying people. Let it be said of the churches of America in the 2000s, Christ too true churches that they prayed and God moved. They prayed and God changed things. They prayed and the Lord sent revival. Pray. Remember when Peter was in prison? The church came together. It was at night. They were praying, praying, praying for Peter. God dispatched an angel and broke chains. Do you think God would dispatch an angel and break some chains in in the life of some church members? Now, I think He can. Let's pray. Let's meet together and pray. Let's pray alone. Let's pray. Paul said, brethren, pray for us. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the elders and the deacons. Pray for those who labor among you. Pray. And the Apostle said too, to know them which labor among you. Get acquainted with them. Get to know them. Don't hold them off there. I've heard some sad stories of people who felt like they couldn't get to know those who taught them the Word of God. Shame. Get to know them. I'm saying shame that that distance I'm not saying shame just on, on people for not making the effort to get to know them. I'm saying shame that they were so formidable or so distant that people didn't feel that opportunity or reaching out. But maybe it's shame both ways. Anyhow, it doesn't have to be shame. It can be blessing. Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord to admonish you. And Paul says, and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. What a blessing. Pray for and with your church, for everybody, and its leaders. Well, I know this is a very incomplete message on Christian community. But it's just a few thoughts that came to my mind in these last hours. Thank you for praying. Thank you, some of you brethren, for praying this morning when we met together. And I said, I really... Don't feel prepared for a message this afternoon. But I trust God can sow some seed that can be a blessing to you. If you're wrestling through this thing in some way, I encourage you to make a study yourself. I've done it. The last couple years, there are several times I thought, Lord, I know you can't totally do this, but as much as possible, I want to blank out my mind and, and start over in the book of Acts and just start through and see what did you intend for your church? How did it look like there? How did it look like on in the epistles? What did Jesus say about it in Revelation when He said, I want you to go speak to the churches of Asia? Do it. Do it yourself. Be Bereans. Search the Scriptures. Are you sure your ideas about what is great or okay for church are biblical? Let's study. Let's understand what God's Word says and share it with one another. Well, I'd like to stand and close with a hymn.
Christ. Another verse that's a favorite of mine. We think about Christ's care for you, His bride. Here's a song I sing, and it's similar to another verse in, in our little hymn book, and sometimes people get this mixed up. I'll line it for you again. It's Jesus, my shepherd, husband, friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end. Accept the praise I bring. Sometimes there's another verse that says, My Lord, my life, my sacrifice. He is that too. But this one is, My Lord, my life, my way, my end. Accept the praise I bring. Let's sing that, and we'll be dismissed. Mm, ready? Jesus, my shepherd, husband, friend, my God bless you.